all of our guests have had fun. If any guest who hasn't had fun, they have to answer. To way me. to way to shame me into having fun. <laughs> and the management, <laughs> which is what I call my hands. I was there... like, am I being peer pressured into having fun right now? You don't want to take it up with the management. <laughs> it's sort of like you know, this is like one of those mandatory like uh, team building bowling evenings. So everyone has to like pretend they're having fun with each other. It's a wine ropes there you course. Go. We're not bowling. I secretly hate bowling. Bowling okay, kind of sucks, right? Everywhere. Yeah, it really sucks. It's like, like one of those, maybe that was really fun old-timey days, but now yeah. it's way more exciting to do other stuff. Like baseball. We have laser tag now, bitch. We don't yeah. need to bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could literally fight zombies with lasers. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. I'm going to choose that instead of throwing a ball to a bunch of wooden sticks. <laughs> yeah. When you say sports out loud, like they are stupid. <laughs> yeah. damn kevin i have this game that's like uh swedish or whatever it's called cube it's like a lawn game and it's literally throwing some wooden blocks at other wooden blocks and trying to throw, like knock them over mm -hmm. it's the dumbest fucking shit ever it's fun yeah. though i'll tell you you have a couple of drinks so i don't <laughs> i don't do sports i do this thing have you guys heard of reading it's nah. actually like exercise for your mind uh, i um have only heard of reading but i heard it's not really a, like a cool thing to do these days so i stay oh, away from all contraire yeah. actually <laughs> you know what there's a lot of cool people who like reading have you ever heard of albert einstein mm, oh no. yes uh, uh he invented something important i'm bowling, trying to think of, think of other smart bowling. people yeah. <laughs> you ever heard of morrissey before he got racist uh-uh yeah he was no, post-racist uh, that's after he stopped reading <laughs> <laughs> the books kept the racism away. <laughs> Is gorgeous. I like this uh, campaign for breeding. That... Yeah, it's really cool. I think everyone should try to read a book this year. I think if we actually double down on this, we could end up getting some sort of a grant for this and then misappropriating it. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, we actually have a zine that oh, requires yeah. people to read because it's not all pictures. So hypothetically, everyone has to fucking read the zine. Well, they have this. I was talking about this earlier. They have this app that you can just read a book in like five like it gives you the the basics of a book or an article and just like this is all you need to know this is that book in like 10 minutes and it's like, like a 500 that's like so cool notes, basically yeah but audio and like way more convenient than cliff notes that's cool i, I go for that for, i want to do that for like uh lolita or like for i don't know <laughs> the bible <laughs> the two books i know <laughs> i do sometimes feel like that's what i do as a sales rep, when I need to sell a wine, I don't really know anything about. I like I gather the like I look at the tech sheet. That's like mm -hmm. the cliff note. Like I haven't tasted this wine. I don't know where it comes from. Like okay, cool. Like metamorphic rock. Check. Uh, okay, like twelve months in stainless steel on the lease. Check. Okay, I know all about this wine, but I just read the fucking cliff notes. Yeah, or sometimes you get you're more tied to the region or maybe a story about the region as a whole and you're like oh my god let me tell you about the prayers <laughs> and champagne like i don't know about this specific champagne yeah. but i do if you think about it yeah yeah it's all the same actually in a lot of ways that's like <laughs> that's like what same. donald trump does well like the one thing he does well 
Oh, we're talking about politics. Okay, when he cool. doesn't know about something. <laughs> yeah, he just like talks about skater. something trans, like sort of related. He's like, "Let me tell you about how I hate sharks," because I don't know what the fuck you just asked me about. But that is that's the. I mean, first of all, we should just hop into shark thing. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Did you see the three hundred and ninety-six year old shark they discovered off the coast of Greenland this week? No. Oh, so the shark's dead now? No, no, the shark's alive. I believe the shark is still alive. They did say they measured chemicals in his eye which makes me think maybe they killed him but they yeah i'm like very confused as how they got the diet like maybe he was crying i just never wanted to live this old sharks <laughs> die if they stop moving mm-hmm. so in order to observe a shark you must kill it the shark's like wait susan how do you know that name the shark's weeping <laughs> that's where the ocean uh, salt comes from um so you got well honestly i'm just happy that i don't have to deal with the shark because you know there's sharks out here how old would a shark have to be i'm glad you came on this podcast for this question how old would a shark have to be before its life was worth more than yours in your opinion um let's see um maybe like four million years old okay that's very like (laughs) pretty old like like the meg (laughs) I think like a 300 year old shark might be better for the planet than me. And it definitely has more better years than I, I mean, like I think every year shark has is a good year. Sharks aren't having 2020, man. Oh yeah. I mean, they're fucking chilling. (laughs) Because the earth actually wants them on like, well, I guess the sea wants them and I don't know. That shark could have like constantly. There could have been a U boat that exploded and that shark ate a bunch of Nazis. Like that shark could have done more for the world than any of us have done. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. Right? That shark could have eaten like Christopher Columbus's grandson. The shark has more potential <laughs> to do good than I do. That's for sure. the shark might not do it. Yeah, like I have the will to do good, but no ability. The shark could do a lot of amazing things if yeah. we trained it and harnessed its energy. So I'm. So I think it's more about here. like the the shark will probably do less harm to the right like okay. doing good is not like i mean whatever right i mean we we do good sure but we fuck up the earth in a huge way all I mean, the time I'm, I'm vegan man yeah yeah i'm vegan too but i just had to have the new AirPods. so like, yeah exactly yeah. you know <laughs> there's no animal byproducts in those AirPods. i just live off yeah. rare earth crystals you know it's like no big deal those get out of the earth no problem there's no weird ways of extracting them <laughs> um so uh welcome to discordious it's a podcast about wine uh, my name is duck hi i'm the dumb one our guest today is kenneth crumb thank you for being here um, Thank you for having. Yeah, are, are you familiar with Ah uh, Real Monsters? I am extremely familiar with that, and I love it. Okay. Um, I keep on thinking about, about Crumb. Is that the monster's name with who holds the eyeballs in his hands? Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, that's spelled with a B, but you know, common, okay. common mistake. I get that all the time. Do people often <laughs> reference Ah uh, Real Monsters to you, or am I like doing a deep like, cut? All the time. Okay. All so. the time. I um, love that cartoon. That was like. You know how you can like um, age yourself based on your Nicktoons? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I'd say Aureal Monsters, and then I guess like Hey Arnold came out a little after. Yeah. And then like after that was Cat Dog, but I was too old for Cat Dog. What about so Angry, I'm like Angry Beavers? Because you Angry, missed that one. I was one. too old for Oh my Angry god, Beavers, Angry Beavers! That was 
but shit. I loved Angry Beavers. There's a, there's a the Beaver Fever song. I sing it to myself like, every day in the shower. So what you're probably Rocco's two years old. That was my fucking jam. That was what's up. I was like a Doug weird. to Rocco was like the sweet spot for me. Oh yeah. Like Doug Rugrats Rocco. Don't need anything else. And then now like, did you did you transition into the live action like the Pete and Pete and yes. like that world? Absolutely. Pete and Pete. Clarissa explains it all. There was a show called Space Cases that I fucking loved that was on SNCC. That was just oh about, my god, like, yes. It was just like Clarissa, but like there was like a girl who went invisible who's in a different dimension. It was great. Do you um do you guys remember Roundhouse? Yes. I remember no. moving to New York City and being un- like sad that it wasn't exactly like Roundhouse. <laughs> Roundhouse is Round- like a black box theater of all these like kids doing like urban dance moves. Like, yeah. I think it was like Stomp or some shit. <laughs> it was sort of Stompy. It was definitely like theater kids like having i remember the thing i remember the most it was like rent is there was a sketch where a girl was being like madonna but she was wearing traffic cones as like a bra and it felt very risque for (laughs) for nickelodeon well we'll have to cut that i mean (laughs) honestly pete and pete was pretty risque and so was rocker's modern life rocker's modern life was very risque actually there's a couple like a brand of like nickelodeon cartoons that were like a little more adult like obviously Ren and Stimpy. We also know, but yeah. Ren Stimpy, the the the, the creator Ren Stimpy, he was a pedophile. Like, yes. is a convicted pedophile. True. So it, they weren't hiding it well, actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now getting wow. the conspiracy theory part. <laughs> um, we're actually going to be talking a lot about harmed children. Um, in a second about the first wine. So I'll just table this right. for the. Yeah, very excited. I did um, I did some occult research. Wow. Well, let's, so we're talking about Campania today. Yeah, uh, Kenneth, why did you you sort of jumped at Campania quickly when we like listed the the um, the regions that we had left? What was it about Campania that? What is it about that you wanted to do it? Well, I feel like every other region is really coming up in like. Although they've been making wine forever, like Roman times and pre-Roman times, they like Piemonte and Sicily kind of are on the forefront of being recognized as good wine regions. But I mean, Campania in so many ways predates both of those places and is awesome. And a lot, I mean, in ways a lot more complex than, you know, Sicily is, in Tarazi, there's like 144 different crews and not one of them are mapped out. And so I just, yeah. well, I love spreading the word about Campania. Hopefully more people care and then maybe we'll get like a map with actual crews and, you know, Italians are us, usually behind. Give us the goddamn maps already. It's not cool too, which is like Sicily's so fucking cool. Northern Italy's not cool, but it's it's rich. Yeah. Campania yeah. is in this weird but, state where like no one gives which is insane because like uh, every Italian wine writer keeps like the, the first wines uh, as a uh, Fiano. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, people are like, Oh, Fiano is like the fucking best grape in Italy. People yeah. like lose their yeah. mind about it, but like you don't see a lot of Campania representation anywhere. Um, and it's, it's cause of the mafia. I think. <laughs> I mean, it, it could is. be, I it mean, but Italians are, uh, Italians are very much behind. If you, I mean, even look at Sicily, right? The mm-hmm. only DOCG that is on the island of Sicily is Cerswolo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like yeah. Etna Bianco and Enterosa are DOCs. It's like, 
weird, like a rosé, which is a great rosé sometimes, but like compared to Etna Bianco and Etna Rosso, like a rosé is technically higher in it's weird. quality. It's, 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 it's unusual. Italian since they don't know what rosés are. They have no conception <laughs> of it. They're like, uh, 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 and it like ends up having a, being entirely made out of tannin. Like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good Saltana. job, Manuelo. You did it. Is that an Italian name? Michelangelo. There you go. Or Michele. Um, yeah, no, Campania is like it's it's somehow been protected by its uncoolness in a weird way. But like yeah. every single wine writer, like Jancis, is a freak for Campania. She's a freak Eric, for a lot of things, dude. Eric is a freak for Campania. Ian Degata is a freak for Campania. It's like oh, everyone yeah. is blowing their fucking load over this shit, and no one's drinking. Kevin, <laughs> I got a little blue, guys. I'm sorry. Kevin, everyone I said is... blowing there and didn't know where to go. Blowing like, their chode would have been funnier if you want to. If you want to take that one back. Um, no, nah, I'll leave it where it is. I like okay. where, it, where it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm good with it. Hold back down. But, no, it's. I feel like this is the first region. So. Kenneth, what we've been doing is we decided we were idiots about Italy and we're doing Italy all summer, right? Mm-hmm. This is the first region where I feel like we could have done two or maybe three episodes. Like Absolutely. we could have done six or nine wines and wouldn't have, and maybe would have just started to kind of put the pieces where they are. Right. Um, it's massive. I mean, there's so many important areas, so many important grapes. There's so many historical grapes. There's so many old vines in these weird pockets. Um, it's fucking wild. It's also yeah. a really beautiful spot. And like, uh, I, I've actually been to the Amalfi Coast. Uh, no big deal. Um, when I was writing my <laughs> dissertation for grad school, I went to a friend's house uh, uh, near Capri. And boy, was that fun. Um, it was really beautiful. <coughs> but we were drinking a lot of limoncello. Yeah. And I went, to, oh, yeah. Um, I went to the ice cream place that su- uh, supplies the current pope with his ice cream. There's a, there's a little place... Uh, in Sorrento, that is uh, the the ice creamier to the Pope, which is pretty exciting, actually. It was very good ice cream. Is the demand really high for the Pope? Like, how much ice cream are they consuming, I wonder? I I think the Pope has a lot of, I mean, you know, technically there's not a lot of sensual pleasures you're allowed as the Pope. So they have a lot of ice cream, I think. And by ice cream, I'm putting that quotation marks, Um, like, like cheese pizza, ice cream <laughs> <laughs> for some reason in my head i'm like i feel like the pope would be lactose for some like just some oh. kind of weird like fucked up like no the, the, the fucked up things the pope do they're not the tummy unfortunately it's <laughs> it's entirely the heart and loins for the popes they're they have strong stomachs that's the, because they've, they've seen all the ritual sacrifices oh yeah well that'll do it mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, like uh, it, it, I, I, I've been doing this thing in my mind where I'm assuming that a lot of like the places that are really beautiful in Italy are not great places at making wine. I haven't told you this yet, Kevin, because right. also Italy's always beautiful. But it's yeah. this idea I've had in my head. But like Capri is fucking gorgeous. Like the like, Sorrento, like th- this whole region is like uh, picture picture book perfect, and the wines are like serious in a way that like a lot of times like you know. You go to a, a vineyard and it's like, oh, there's a really great view. The wines probably are really bad, but you can't yeah. find a bad view yeah. in Italy, and that especially feels, not here. That feels like a very much like new world thing, though. Maybe like yeah. you go to so many beautiful vineyards in California, and they're making and like 
Like, okay, name well, them. Name them and shame them. Kevin, let's go. They're on fire right now. Why don't you be a dick about it? <laughs> I will hold my tongue, but you know what I'm talking about, and I'm sorry that they're fucking Patagonia vests are burning. I don't want their Patagonia vests to burn. But In two months, we'll tell you how we really fucking feel. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, I think there's, because, I think there's places where, like, uh, Rioja is kind of like this, where, like, a lot of, the places where there's a lot of money, and they make it look really beautiful right there. They're making the worst wine. But, like, Rioja is also not a – well, it's not, like, the most obviously beautiful place. But the really yeah. good stuff that's made there is in the less sort of beautiful areas, maybe. I don't know. I'm sort of talking out of my ass, but I've, I've started no, I mean, and I can't to stop. To me, there. I feel like Italy is the only place I can think of that really has that. Like, yeah, in, in multiple places, I mean, like, the rolling hills of Piemonte and, like, Alto Adige, they – they're beautiful whereas i think most other places are more desolate like the soils even are less like france ugly piece of shit spain never heard of it the loire is fucking i mean i guess i only go in february so i mean that's yeah 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 yeah. but like like, it's not that pretty portugal is gorgeous but like people don't really pay attention to the wine in portugal either so Um, right maybe we're on to something here i I think you guys this is some important facts about um about campania Mm-hmm. There's a high seismic risk in this area. Oh, weird. Yep. Um, this is from the Wikipedia page. Um, uh, donate to Wikipedia. The GDP per capita of Campania is the highest among South Italy, but yet it is only 66.7 of the Italian average, which really makes you think about the... Um, about. I love how Italy uses the euphemism, the Southern problem, which is like uh, they've actually just... They've stolen all the resources from the South and done neocolonialism, but it's like, oh, it's a problem with the South. They're so sleepy. <laughs> um, and the, uh, the number of lawyers is 5.7 for every 1,000. Oh, um, that seems like a lot. the northern region of, Trent, of Trentino Alto Adige, the number is 1.7. Um, wow, this is flat. It's very interesting. They have a lot of lawyers and a lot of white-collar workers because the state is the biggest employer in the South. Um, whereas in the north, it's only, it's a much smaller thing, and twenty point four percent of the population was unemployed in twenty eighteen. Got to think it's a little higher right now. Um, yeah. yeah. So an interesting like, this is like the the South success story, and it's not very successful. Well, I mean, it is relatively successful. They they like not for thirty percent of the population. But also, they probably have a much better safety like social safety net than we're thinking of and they have better ice cream than you can even fucking dream they have of the pope's ice cream which is really <laughs> nice. you can't get bad ice cream in italy i mean like the mafia provides a little bit of safety right yeah protection yeah that, yeah that's, that's, that's what they, they do, do. Hey, it'd be a shame if something happened to that ice cream cone yeah <laughs> it'd be a shame if something happened to your gdp <laughs> um yeah, well i mean I'm, like i think it's always harder when you have a region that's like, I mean, is it harder or is it not? In the South, they've mostly relied on crops and growing things. And Mm -hmm. and then in the North, it's been mostly like factories. As soon as the Industrial Revolution happened, it kind of like separated the two. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wonder if relying on the agriculture is better or worse for like, Besides, obviously, the social constructs constructs of, like, everything that happened before the unification and, and you know, the South always being the stepchild. Well, yes. I mean, just just as a um, – I, I, before I was a wine podcaster, I was a famous anthropologist. And um, an important thing to note is that uh, corruption 
is a, a charge almost always leveled against poor governments and not against rich governments. And that uh, behavior that uh, would be identified as corruption um, in Northern Europe um, gets swept under the rug. So people always notice it when it happens in the South. But I'm right. um, like, there's tons of networks of patronage and corruption and um, in fucking the, say the United States certainly, but in, even in like normal places like Canada or Norway. Um, but we, we, we tend to notice it when it has a, a particular Mediterranean flair. Um, but yeah, I mean, so. No, I definitely notice all that like Canadian backhanded shit going on. Oh. They're all like smiles and, and a, but well, I see right like, through oh, that. Oh, Montreal, eh? They've got a lot of that uh, Catholic, uh, they, they do a little <laughs> bit of um, uh, corruption, eh? <laughs> Canada Bullwinkle. Canada was built on a bunch of people who clubbed seals for a living. I mean, they're they're going to be they're going to be monsters. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to talk about this wine in a second. Um, what's important? Other, I did some more research. Guess how? What percentage of uh, Campania gets uh, draws an income from the sea? Huh. Twenty. Um. I'm gonna guess a little higher, like forty. You guys are both wrong. It's three point nine percent. Oh whoa! Whoa! Wow. That's interesting. Um, so, well, here's what I thought was interesting about Campania. Okay. Um, they invented pizza. Uh, the Turks invented pizza. They invented skeddies. Turks also invented spaghetti. They, uh, you know, they invented a lot of things that we consider Italian in that way. I understand that, like, there are things that are flatbreads that there are, like, Italy didn't invent noodles. But, like, the modern, like, red sauce joint idea of pizza and spaghetti can trace itself back to Naples. And, like, these are, like, super, super Italian ideas. And yet, like, when reading about Campania, it feels like so much of it is, like, like pr about the pre-Roman identity of Campania and how it wasn't Rome for a long time. Mm -hmm. It was very much Greek. And... And it's sort of funny that these things that we consider like Italian that you would think would be like more Roman in identity or like are from Campania. I just found that interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's like this kind of like intimate enemy with with uh, with Naples because it's like the most civilized of the South. So like it's the part that everyone notices that it's fucked up in a weird way. Um, and so it's like it's foreign in a way that's very understandable to the rest of Italy. So I feel like people, Italians constantly talk about Naples and uh, Napoli and like, you know, how weird it is there because it's conceivable. Whereas like Sicily, they're like, <laughs> yeah. And Puglia, I mean, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, our, our first wine is uh, a Fiano, which I am, um, by the way, I've drank uh, three glasses of this already. I fucking love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, I was they, super they, stoked to get this one. Yeah, I've actually never had this one. Uh, I want to talk about the name because it did send me on a spiral. So this is, um, what is this called? This Casa is de Ball. Casa de Ball. So um, first of all, you know that triggered me. Um, so the name is apparently a reference to the dad um, whose name is Annabal. Yep. Um, it's an homage to our father. But then I Google, I went to their website. It's a, symbolic a symbol of attachment to our roots but also a sign that represents inclination to innovation and resilience. The symbol of our farm is an elephant that symbolizes Hannibal, the general from Carthage. And boy, 
Um, I, I'm sure you guys are familiar of uh, of Baal, the the uh, the Phoenician storm god that was the patron saint of Carthage, um, and you guys are probably familiar with, of course, how his cult was worshipped, which was child sacrifice. <laughs> I fucking shit you not that the claim that the Romans made about the worship of Baal was that they had giant. Um, bronze statues of the god and they would slide a child down its mouth into a fiery pit <laughs> what that's some fucking indiana jones shit <laughs> it was insane and i'm just looking at this and like you know like the, there's not a lot of phoenician storm gods that people recognize but naming your winery after Baal is like not that's a recognizable that's like calling your house like like casa de lucifer people are going to make an allusion to that so well, I'm also the guy's name is Hannibal. Yes, but the name is not Hannibal. It's Bale. B-A-A-L. But Baal is, is, I think, short for Hannibal. But and then they are also mentioning Hannibal of Carthage, and mm. so I get, I get. That I, I'm wondering how deep the rabbit hole goes because I fucking <laughs> lost my mind, and I'm wondering. I want to know what's under the cellar. The wine's really good, <laughs> but this does sound like this sounds like a cry like. We're going to hear about this in 20 years. Like, we should have fucking seen all the signs. <laughs> I bought a bottle of this wine at Comet Ping Pong. This is gorgeous, though. Um, for yeah. whatever, however, souls are trapped inside it. It's really pretty. I have no, I, um, can, I can smell the souls. It actually yeah. makes it better, I think. Agreed. Well, I think they weren't <laughs> baptized yet, so it's actually chill to eat them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got a really fresh vibe about it. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. It actually <laughs> really sounds sulfur. It. <laughs> yeah, it's not very fresh. <laughs> no, I love like um, the the nutty like wildness of Fiano is fucking so good to me. Um, it's probably the first. I think a Fiano, I think the first wine I had from um, Campania was a Fiano, and I thought. Like I remember the th- thought I had when I drank it was like, why do I not hear about this more, or why don't I drink? Like, it feels like it has all the trappings of like a hip, cool wine. Like it's got weight, it's got texture, it's got nutty yeah. complexity. It's like, why is this not an Italy Girard or something? This like, what? smokes the shit out of the Shannon. I mean, this gives yeah. off Shannon vibes, but yeah. like I like yeah, it, and it's really not does. like nine hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think, it, like, they're still so rooted in the history that they're making wine. Like, I, I, I talk about this all the time. I talk about this with Matt because he makes wine that's kind of a little bit more oxidative. And it's made to age, and it's made with texture, and it's made with a, a roundness. And I think now everyone's, like, going ready to drink, and they want something fresh, and they want something now, and they want yeah. something, you know, hermetically sealed, stainless steel, temperature-controlled. But this is drinking great i think it'll drink great in like eight years and yes up to 10 years honestly funny the oxidative (laughs) note is something that people complain about with uh uh, with fiano a lot like like oh you don't get to oxidate and kind of gross which is like it's so stupid that's like the key to it like a little bit of oxidation all of a sudden like you build the backbone for aging this wine would be fine in 10 years it's a the 2016 fiano de ball um and it's 2020 right now and i i am I guess this could probably have gone longer. It's it's still pretty shit, but I I'd like I would like older. I well, think I mean, people have this like thing where they're 
if it's not if you tried an old uh, the aged bordeaux it would absolutely have that same oxidative note mm-hmm. and it would like have an aspect of that but because it's bordeaux i think people are like oh well it's it's cool it's bordeaux mm-hmm. but you're campagna so you're not afforded the same like liberties as like 100 percent. yeah yeah people aren't people aren't coming to you looking for complexity and and like or i mean they should be like i believe right. like we're talking about a, an area with volcanic soils with with a lot of varied soils but like a lot of areas of volcanic soils um right. we're talking about like you know facing the sea so you have acidity from from the the wind coming from the sea like you have all of the trappings of like a brilliant wine region and i yeah. think people just have never known where to place it even it like gets... without that i mean you have there's so you have the eponines coming down mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. the center of everything i mean there's so many different things that no matter where you are in Campania, you're benefiting from one of those things and so like you're more likely to have a great wine than even here you know in uh in california yeah. i mean I, I i did accuse these people of um child sacrifice but um it's also interesting um because th- this wine is from a, a what was it uh considered garbage terroir up until quite recently like everyone thought that uh fiano was good from avellino and that's yeah. kind of it and casa de Bal right. is outside of the the region yes um it's just like it's a fiano from our from you know from these guys place but it is um, it's it's important to know that like, these guys were olive tree farmers like they are they still are technically. they still are that they're like are. they are farmers first and foremost and that it really wasn't until their children were like, what if we tried making wine that they were like, yeah, I mean, we could stop selling those grapes bulk. We could do some shit. And I think because there's like, maybe in some ways because there's less expectation because they're not like, oh, well, if we're going to make wine, we're going to have to do all these things. They could just make a pure terroir representative wine that they really believed in. Like in some ways that, that might make your, your life easier that you have that and they're still making a lot of money off of olive oil so it's 100 percent. i mean you could screw up the entire vintage and uh still be fine yeah absolutely um yeah i think it's also biodynamic which is um it's it's weird this this wine was shown at raw wine yeah um and i was looking at it, it Italian winemakers at raw wine are always so confusing because it's like, do you know what you're doing, King? Or is it's, it like, like a lot of them just kind of show up? It seems like yeah, they get stuck between the cool, like French natty boys, and then like the Greeks, which yeah, everyone the- is fawning over. I mean, like, like you know, this is Campania. This is basically part of Greece. Like, I- I'm sure people just were like, oh yeah, that's just Italy. Yeah, like, fuck let's keep it. moving. Like, fuck it. Like, but you know, I think you're absolutely right. Like, they're. Like it is Italy. They're always a little bit late to the game. Like they haven't quite figured out how. Well, some producers in Italy have figured it out, but not a ton of like playing the natural wine game. Like with the like right. most, I would say every label that of every wine we're having tonight is not hideous. pretty. Yeah, like, hideous. They yeah. just look like wine labels. They're, Dog shit wine labels. There's no like cartoon of like a cat fucking a dog or anything on it. Like you would make you think like, oh, this is a cool natural wine. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that is the, that is the plot the of cat dog, points, right? When you're when you're there, they're not like, oh yeah, we all we, we're, we're you know those words that you hear when mm-hmm. you're at raw wine that you hear from anyone from Oregon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like you know field blend and like 
um, you know, so not uh, native yeast. And I mean, they don't even really describe their winemaking technique that way. They because it's just how they do it. They make wine. Yeah, <laughs> they don't. Yeah. yeah, they don't know that it's like the hot shit right now. <laughs> I mean, I've also I because I, 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 we've been talking a lot about how um, Italy is a uh, been Europe's been doing imperialism to Italy for a while. I don't want to reify that and be like, oh, these guys are like noble savages. Like, they know how to sell wine. It's just like Italians, they're still selling wine to like last generation. Like, right. Like, they definitely, Italians know how to fucking sell wine and they know how to market wine. Yeah. But it's like, they're still like, a lot of them still seem to be like, confused by like the current idiom. But like, it's not like, you know, they're like, they're, they're not like a bunch of like, you know, fell off a turnip truck guys. No, I guess the point is it's like the difference between like, an ad for like um uh what's that deodorant with the weird advertisements old spice and an advertisement for like catheter tubes yeah. like <laughs> if you made a, an old spice style commercial for catheter tubes you wouldn't sell more catheter tubes no you would sell less catheter <laughs> yes. tubes. so you have to make the the commercial for mm-hmm. catheter tubes look like a commercial for catheter tubes because you have to know your audience <laughs> that, that's true i mean in italian white wines like as i'm sure as i'm sure you know like um you can clunk people over the head and yeah. they still won't fucking drink italian white wines like nope. there's it's so hard to make people want to do it um well you were most recently somming at red hook is this correct yeah red hook tavern yeah we have a, a we had an international uh, list but then before that i was at lupa so oh, okay cool where my like love for italian wine comes from it, it, obviously it's entirely italian list yeah it was able i mean i feel like people shit on italian whites so much oh yes they they very much do um i I feel like with Etna Bianco, it, it helped a lot. Mm. And that's kind of even the wines that they produce now, although it, there's very much like a divide between classical and, mm. and, you know, more traditional winemaking techniques. They're producing that kind of high acid, more textured mm. wine that everyone really wants um, <clears throat> in the north or regions that are known for white wine i feel like they make a way more closer to this like a more oxidative um maybe more skin contact a little bit more like barrel aging and and color to it i mean i wish i had like a lot more of this wine uh this yeah is, i'm almost I'm yeah saving my i drank all mine i'm almost done which it's i said like, i wasn't gonna do but i'm doing it i do think it's like we're sort of getting to the point of like the problem the problem with Italian white wine is that, like, it's so often sold. Like, Italian wine in general, the, the driving force for selling it is Italian restaurants. And people go to Italian restaurants for big, heavy meals. And they right. think they have this perception that that means red wine only. That, that that's right. like, that. I'm going to go have pasta and whatever and cheese and a glass of Sangiovese. And then that's what going to an Italian restaurant is. And it's right. like... There's not this, like, when you think about French wine, like, sure, there's, oh, it's gastronomique, but, like, then you're like, oh, well, we're having it with, like, several cheeses and a fig spread. You know what I mean? And, like, now you have, like, a palate you can play with. And, like, Italy doesn't benefit from that at all, which is a shame because, like, I mean, this would be killer with just, like, some fucking olives and some almonds or some shit. Like, oh, this yeah. would be so good with just some simple food, and but people just aren't, like, reaching for it. Awesome. Like yeah. 
I mean, I was looking at my my wine collection, and I've got a lot of wine, and I don't have nearly enough Italian representation. And I keep saying, "Oh, this is the year I'm going to do it," but um, we keep buying Italian wines, drinking it for the podcast. So I guess maybe this fall I have to actually invest some money in Italy. Um, I'm sure I'll continue to make money. Um, what with this pandemic? I mean, <laughs> I mean, do it. There's like tons of good stuff out there that I think that people aren't haven't realized that um, are out there if you go outside of piemonte and even now sicily because you know everyone's buying a land in sicily now yeah, everyone's on um, dick. yeah yeah it's it's <laughs> it's pretty intense um but if you go outside of those regions and you know even outside of tuscany obviously you'll find a lot of good things lazio i mean <laughs> even umbria like the sagrantinos besides paulo Bea, like don't get that expensive and there's yeah. tons of good even Tarazi, where you have like some really esteemed producers um and we'll talk about alianico and all that stuff but um you can find some great great deals because mm-hmm. <clears throat> people don't they don't know <clears throat> they really don't and it's like well i think this is interesting too about Campania, where um and I've, i just started opening my second wine yeah but like, wine number two is also a dream this is this um, is another example. Very excited about this. Me it's too. Really fucking fun. Um, these guys are. They're they're farming a hundred to three hundred year old vine. The, the oldest indigenous vines grapes, in like Italy, they claim. Yeah, and and I think this is what's interesting about Campania is like, and we'll probably talk about this with the last wine. Um, but for for certain reasons, like they've really stuck to their guns or come back to this idea of preserving these indigenous varietals and to your point like not just in field blends not just in these like oh well we just you know everything we co-ferment blah 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 but like doing yeah. monovarietal mostly expressions of of grapes that have been in this area for thousands of years and it's like you just don't it's hard it's hard to think of other areas other than like greece um or eastern it's, europe that like that that happens this often like in the modern context of of old world wine it's really it just doesn't happen as often. Yeah, I mean, like old world wine. This is again. I think the drum we keep hammering, which is like, you know, I hate that like cent- that term. Like, I, I don't know. Fran- uh, drum? No, old world wine. I, I hate. Yeah. I hate. Like I've said, new world and old world on this episode, and I fucking hate that term. And I, I want to stop saying it. I'm just saying that to myself. Go on, sorry. Yeah, I mean, we, we, I think we've discovered a lot that like 19th century France did a thing to a lot of the wine industry. This wine fucking whips. This is yeah, oh yes. This is a sex bomb. I love it. Um, this is the thing that it actually showcases, which hopefully we get a lot from the Alianico, which normally we do. But to me, the thing about the Campania Reds mm-hmm. is that they always have that earthy tone. That that really kind of like smoky sometimes although this is less smoky but they always also have because of the elevation and all of the sea breezes and the mountains and everything they have an elegance to them and like a floral quality and a lot of the times um and this is just like super elegant it's fucking uh, gorgeous this is um uh our first tintori grape i think we've had in the podcast actually it might be the first Tintore great Tintore. It might be the first Tintore ever on any podcast. <laughs> podcast. Um, this is a, 
this is uh, Tintore de Tramante and a little yeah. bit of Pies Rosso. Um, and it's done in steel and chestnut with, uh, this is a 2012 vintage from, is it uh, Masto Biardino? Is that the, how it's pronounced? No, no, this is Monte no. Grazia. I'm just kidding. Yeah, Ron Producer. Monte de Grazia. I'm just... Monte gotcha. Berardino is the third one. Um, yeah, this this is like literally... Um, How much was this? The middle of fucking nowhere. I would say... All, well, I mean, it's a little skewed because the third... The last wine we're having was $14. But we got oh, all three cheapest, yeah. wines for $80. Um, yeah, that's about right. So yeah, this is like 30 right. Maybe 30 bucks. 2012, like 30 bucks. Drinks well. Yes. Um... Yeah, so this is like an area that is, from everything I've read, and there was a lot of people who like visited here. They're like, I, we were driving off the face of the earth. Like you couldn't, you had no idea where you were. You thought you were just driving up a random fucking mountain. Um, then all of a sudden, there's like cloud cover, and you like drive through the clouds, and you're at high elevation. And because it's all volcanic soil and sand, Phylloxera never came here. Mm-hmm. It seems like no one has ever come here. You're in like the lost world. Well, Bowler mentions they had to get a special truck to pick up the stuff. Yeah, which is like okay, whatever. Bowler, I'm sure. Yeah, a very special truck. That's <laughs> that's cute. But yeah, like, I, you know, I was interested because I um, was wondering why this wasn't Costa Damalfi DOC. Like, I, to me, I'm like, oh, you're 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 right in that DOC zone. Why wouldn't you sell it? But it's because of the Tintoria grape. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, oh, okay. They don't even allow that, like, varietal to be a single var- or a majority varietal. Like, mm-hmm. if it was mostly Peter Rosso and a little bit Tintore, then yeah. she could do that. But it's not. So, but I kind of respect a lot more. I read yeah. a lot about Pietro Rosso today, and it makes me want to drink some because, like, no one seems to really like it. They're like, it, people used to think it was Dolcetto, but not a very good Dolcetto. And, like, um, Everyone's been very diplomatic about it, but like it's really herby and bad most of the time. And Ian no, Nagata I, was uh, like, "Actually, you should carbonically macerate it to make it good." Like, <laughs> okay, okay, you're a little flirty, Ian. Cool. No, I, I love Pieroso. I feel like it always works. I mean, in a lot of the wines that I like, the Grignano, the sparkling wine, mm-hmm. they call it pizza wine. It provides like this, like. It picks up a little bit more of the terroir, so it like provides this nice smoky backbone to the mm-hmm. Alianico. Because when Alianico's sparkling, it's like dark fruit and delicious mm-hmm. and salty, but it needs like something else. Um, but a lot of wines, you know, Lacrima, like a ton. Mm-hmm. Like I love Pietroso, uh, and I, also I remember falling in love it, with like, the Lacrima. These first two grapes were the most ancient. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as native Italian grapes, Alianico is the most popular and the most acclaimed, but it's from Greece. Like, it's not, like, from Italy, so. Well, I mean, everyone's going to get mad at you for saying that. I'm glad you did and not me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. And, of course, by Greece, we mean the greater Turkish prosperity zone. <laughs> um, this one whips. I, I feel like... Every fucking episode we've had of this season, there's just been like, go, like us losing it on something. Yeah, but and this, this is the one for me a, so far. This, this is guy is a physician. Oh, okay. Like and Joe Biden. Just, yeah, and he just decided <laughs> to make fucking wine. Um, and 
accidentally make great wine? Is it just like family vineyards that he like his family has had for a long time? He's like, yeah, I might fuck around with those. I don't know. We're gonna find um, out. And they make like four to six thousand bottles a year of. I think they make three or four cuvées only. Um, and yeah, I think it's like they don't care that it's IGT. They don't care that it's not a DOC. They're like. These are the grapes that are the three hundred fucking year old grapes. I'm gonna fucking turn this into a wine, whether I'm allowed to or not. Um, and yeah, this is just like this is something that I think is super special that I don't think you find as much in France because it was Fran- the whole, France's whole idea was let's commercialize all of this, like let's mm-hmm. internationalize, quote unquote, all of this. Let's let's make our grapes the international varieties. Like let's dominate and Italy, like Italy, you can still find and and in Spain too, and Portugal, like pockets of undisturbed history that goes back thousands of years. It's just it, it leaves me a little speechless. We, we yeah, I mean, it's talk- oh, oh, I'm sorry, go on. No, I was gonna say it. You have to go outside of those um, big regions, mm-hmm. though. I mean, you have to go to right. Campania or yes. Puglia or Basilicata because mm-hmm. like in Tuscany and Piemonte, if it wasn't Nebbiolo or Sangiovese, it was Cabernet. Like, yep. I mean, I, I always, I think people know Super Tuscans for being that, those um, Bordeaux varietals, but it's very popular in Piemonte but as well. I mean, very good. I really like Super Tuscans. It's this also funny that worst, like- most aggressive opinion. Super <laughs> Tuscans are fine. I mean, I, I like Super Tuscans too, but it's funny that like the idea of being like like super tuscans was like a dangerous idea it's like oh you were you're planting the grapes that everyone wants to plant oh wow that's really it's like Like super daring where'd you get this idea how how dare you (laughs) um so we've been talking a lot about appalachian and uh, i actually don't i almost knocked over this table i actually don't know this and i'm wondering if you can help us kind of do people do do the customers think about italian appalachians the way they do french appalachians like DOC, DOCG, like, do people give a shit about this? Because like, um, my understanding is yes, like- outside of outside of Barolo, I feel like if people see a grape that they know, Nebbiolo mm-hmm. or like whatever it is, Sangiovese on the actual label, they'll buy it and they'll be, go off of whatever you tell them. But if they don't know, if it's if it's like Tintore mm-hmm. <laughs> or like whatever it is they're gonna look for that little sticker that says doc docg um and you know what fuck that sticker (laughs) it it seems like really i for some reason this is probably my own um, internal brain um the appellation system in france works for me in a way like i understand what i'm getting but i feel like a lot of times it gets in the way in italy like the doc docg doesn't seem to be it doesn't seem to represent the facts on the ground that much. It like, absolutely any appellation that's like pushing this wine away. It's like, what do you do? You, you you want this wine that tastes like like you should be trying to find a way to squeeze this one in. And that goes back to uh, Italy just always being behind. And like as far as classifications, like Barolo and the Cruz of Barolo and like like all of these things were established far before France were well, like of course, they yeah. were making wine but like as far as the AOC is concerned that's like a 20th century thing like mid like besides the 1855 classification I mean it, it's like of Bordeaux mm-hmm. 
everything else was really like 1930s and forward. <laughs> but France has so surpassed Italy as far as like having every single crew of Beaujolais like carefully mapped out and where it all fits in. Like that's done for those big regions, but it's really not done for every other. Isn't it, like, isn't it Sharub was, inv was invented in our lifetime? Like really recently, was it Sharub is the newest or is it Shanaz? Oh, um, oh I think it's I think it's Sharub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like 19, 1989 or nineteen ninety some odd. Like it was like recent. Yeah, I want to say that was like was that like ninety three? Yeah, it might have been the early nineties. Yeah, uh, like, of course Muscadet, which we did we did that that famous Muscadet a while ago. All the crews in Muscadet are completely invented in the last decade, and like right. half of them don't actually make sense. But like right. they, but you can tell that like France is gonna make them make sense eventually. Oh, yeah. They'll do it. Yeah. Like. I want to say like um, some of the white burgundies were like 1970s. Like um, that's chill. It, it's just it's it's like some of the crews that you're like oh crazy that's like mm -hmm. wild. Um, I'm, I get very hazy on these years as the wines flows, but... <laughs> That's like how ice was invented in uh, 2007 or whatever. Oh, um, the agency, not the, the agency. frozen water. And the people yeah. are like, oh... Oh, oh I thought you meant vanilla ice. I was like, no, yeah. Oh, <laughs> we, we've gone the full ice spectrum, and most of it's very bad. Um, but like, like the, 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 the ice agency was invented... Uh, yeah. During the Bush administration years, and the, you're like, oh, so was uh, DHS, like Department of Homeland Security, was invented in 2001. I mean, yeah, these things become. Mm -hmm. America is also very good at pretending something has existed forever when it hasn't, um, and and yeah. I think that's like something like France and America and the UK can do really well. That like Italy doesn't give a fuck about, and I kind of respect that. Like that's how nationalism works, dude. Read your Hobbespawn. <laughs> We're all talking yeah. about it. Invented traditions. It's yeah. a very good book. I would book. say it takes like a huge part of that is the like the unit the unified quality mm. everything in italy is so dark i mean they've been apart for way way longer yes. than they've been together so they speak different languages mm -hmm. there's like cherisuolo but do you mean cherisuolo in sicily or do you mean cherisuolo in abruzzo those are two completely different things like it is so um you know disconnected that it's impossible for them to portray that to the world because they don't even they can't even decide on something amongst they can't themselves. Talk to each other, right? Is there, Whereas, there's like, a Barbera you know, America, in America. We're like America. Yeah. I mean, we made it so that everyone in the country was thinking about Pete Buttigieg, like <laughs> he appeared and we all knew who he was. I really loved that. It's like it's this incredible thing. It's like, hey, you know what? Times. We did it. Like, 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 the the way that that sort of stuff works is incredible, and like yeah. it, all of a sudden everyone has to have an opinion about it, or like, um, I mean, it, it's really incredible, <laughs> and it it when you see countries that can't effectively harness that, it's like, oh, huh, okay, maybe it's healthier in a weird way. Yeah, right. Not, I mean, you not should, everyone you has hate to watch. Your government. Not everyone has to watch Game of Thrones at the same time. Like it's okay oh if we watch different. God, TV do you shows. remember that ending? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was devastating. It was devastating. so bad. <laughs> um, yeah, this was. I'm gonna say like p figuring out which three bottles to do for this episode was torturous because I was trying to cover 
five bases with one person. I, I wanted to just I wanted to cover that base. I wanted to cover bat. I, I couldn't. Uh, yeah. But when I was reading about this wine, even though it kind of doesn't really let us talk about almost anything else in Campania, it just like <laughs> it does let us talk about this idea of this region being related to Greece and being ancient and being sort of untouched, and this idea that this region has for for at least a while protected this this style of winemaking mm-hmm. in these little pockets and i think that's super important um but this doesn't feel like i mean i i would be surprised if any of many people listening have heard of this wine or had this wine before right like or even had no, 90 yeah. percent tintore but like that's what's cool about this region is that like if you do a little bit of homework and you like read up on some of these wines like this stuff is around like it took me a while to figure it out, but like your your suggestion to go to Italy, like Italy has a shit ton of Campania wine. I mean, they obviously oh, wine yeah. from everywhere. Jesus Christ! I didn't even think about Italy. I've been like, thought about them for so long. Yeah, but like, there's this stuff is around. It exists, and people are importing it. And like, the opportunity to drink really good wine for not that much money does exist, and it's called Italy. In the long ago days, my friend Igor would always go. Um, he used to work right by Italy, so whenever he would come over to drink wine, he would bring a bottle from Italy, and I would be like, "Where the fuck did you find this?" It was always like a weird, like uh, you know, they they haven't paid me yet to to make any statements. So this isn't an advertisement, but um, like they are, they are doing a very good job representing I- Italy. I will say, I went into Italy. Mm. And I was, and I was, the guy was like, okay, well, what, what are you looking for? I was like, oh, I need your Campania's section. And he was like, okay, it's right over here. And I knew they had this wine because it was on their website, but it wasn't on the shelf. And he was like, you look confused. And I'm like, yeah, I, it said you had this wine, but I don't see it. And he was like, oh, interesting. And he had to talk to his manager. And I had heard his manager say something along the lines of, uh, oh, yeah, it's upstairs with the other like bullshit natural stuff or something like that. He was like, "Oh, okay, I'll go get it because it's I can't go upstairs because pandemic." So he had to run upstairs. But like, they had actually separated this out of Campania and put it with just like, a, I guess a natural wine section, which this isn't even like. It's insane. This just seems Weird. like normal ass good wine. When, it was really really bizarre. When I was an English teacher, I, I went to Italy with a bunch of students, and that was one of the worst days of my life. It, that is a terrible place for people who are trying to do anything. Like, just like, have, have you have you been to actual Italy during like a regular day and like everyone's just wilding out like, like food court style? Yeah. It's, the, it's a nightmare. I think I lost a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's why I have to work in wine now. It's like, well, actually, you, you can't be a teacher. The, the, Honestly, fair trade. Yeah. I, I sacrifice this one as tribute. Yeah. Exactly. To the to ball, yeah, to the gods of ball. You know what? It, we all, I would claim to be Phoenician, but apparently that's actually um, a good way of saying you're a Marianite uh, militia member in Lebanon. So I'm not Phoenician, but I <laughs> do like their gods, and I like some of their ideas about children's sacrifice. <laughs> I think children should be um, sacrificed, not heard. Fair. I, I'm trying to make a point. And I keep not making it, but I want to go back to this idea that this wine, even the idea, like we think of Campania as sort of underappreciated mm-hmm. and under talked about, but there is a structure here. There is four DOCGs, a number of DOCs, 
and there are and we will talk about this with the next wine like historic houses and alianico is you know often called like the barolo of the south and i'm sure we're about to talk about that like there have been sort of attempts to modernize or um, solidify or classify classify this area and it sort of speaks to how this region has sort of wrestled with that identity and that idea that like this wine was considered by a place that classifies Italian wine as being not appropriately enough Campania to be in the Campania section, which is interesting. Like even, even, even in this area that to us seems like underappreciated and under uh, investigated, there, there have been these sort of place marks placed and there have been people pushed out. And it's like it's interesting how wine, even on a micro level, will will do that to itself over and over again. We're like we have to talk about okay, well that's table wine, therefore it's bad. Okay, well now table wine means I'm doing something I want to do, or or the super Tuscan idea, or all these other things. It's like this weird wrestling that wine does with itself about how how do we like represent ourselves the best. I find that to be like the most interesting and fascinating aspect of drinking wine because it's fucking stupid. Like all of it's dumb. Of course. Whether we do like an, an intense breakdown of regions and soil types and we only drink based on these lines of geology, that's sort of like a little too pedantic. Or if we throw all of this history out the window, that also seems like we're losing knowledge that way too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's a seesaw happening all the time and I never quite know what side I'm supposed to be on or what side I want to be on of it. We live in this weird place in time um, in that this is all available to us mm. and that like you know for the majority of history obviously this was n- like wine stores did not have the globe spanning uh, influence they have now like so you know you you could get local wine you can get wine from somewhere else that was nearby and maybe you could get some other wine but like we, we, we live in this weird spot where we are able to have a wine store with like all of these ideas and I think it becomes really you, you see the contradictions, you see all like the weird fault lines because we're able to see not the entirety of wine, obviously. We're able to see like a, but an idea of the entirety of wine in every every reason every normal wine store has the idea of we have all the wine. Whereas like if you go to fucking France and even try that, like like mm-hmm. w- this is mostly our my region and then some other stuff I like. And in Italy it's like you go to a wine store there, it's like all these producers you've never heard of from right there. And then they'll have like, you know, one or two Ganavots or something. Cause they're like, well, fuck it. Why not? It's really crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, but like, it, it, it's, yeah. like we, you can see with like a, you take a bird's eye view, but it's not, I, I, I'm running out of steam on this, but. Yeah. No, I think it's just like anything else, I guess, with living in modern times, there's just like too much information and we're all, having trouble processing it at all all times yeah (laughs) yeah i think they're like struggling because there's one that whole political aspect of having i mean having a docg and having the money behind that and having uh specific grapes that you're kind of pushing ahead and putting all your marketing money and your like everything behind is huge but in italy i mean there's more unregistered varietals than 
pretty much anywhere else. So like, how could you say this region can do these, 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 and these grapes, but then, you know, so-and-so might find a random, you know, Tintore or whatever, Lacrima Christi, whatever. And then you're like, oh, wait, should we include that <laughs> it, it's it's uh it you know it, it takes a lot and i think but the fact that it's so political already mm. kind of confuses things yeah because you're like what what do we include in the doc and what do we get behind it's also i keep thinking about this idea that in some ways like docs and docgs are like chambers of commerce for their regions in a way like they're like or booster clubs like they're they are they're both supposed to like protect this historic idea of what this wine is which we know a lot of times is bullshit but also it's like why wouldn't you want to be included in a docg it's going to elevate you with everybody else right rising tide raises all ships it's going to bring more money to your area it's basically a chamber of commerce it's the exact same idea well, I mean, the you have to pay to be involved. Mm-hmm. Didn't, you have to pay to be involved, exactly. I mean, that's marketing speak. Like, they, they, you know, yeah. th- that didn't come from nowhere. Um, I mean, it, 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 it's funny. Like, uh, I, I moved to wine number three, which is the Aglianico. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, Eric Asimov, a friend of the pod, had a, uh, a an explainer about um, Aglianico, like, in 2017. And, like, yeah. if it's the Burl of the South and you're just hearing about it in 2017 – it's not the Barolo of the South. Like there's like, there's, these are projects that people are doing. Like I, yeah. this is not to say Aglianico is not good, but it's well, just simply. We talked about this with Norella Mascalese too. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times these grapes, when they become defined by what international grape they're like, or if they're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, it's like the Pinot Noir of Etna, or it's like, you know, it's the Nebbiolo of Etna or whatever. It can help to an extent, but it can also hinder because if you're the Barolo of the South, I mean, that inherently sounds like you're lesser Barolo. Yeah. Like you're the, you're the, you don't want to be the Kleenex of the South. No. You want to be Kleenex, (laughs) right? Speak for yourself. Kleenex of the South is a very interesting uh, connotation that I want you to dwell on for a second. Yeah, I've I've been thinking about it since I said it. Um, I've been been searching for a a name that kind of confuses people as much as excites them. Yeah. This is the best fifteen dollar wine we've had in this podcast, <laughs> hands down. This is this I is haven't good. Even and gotten into it yet? Yeah, it's, so it's good and it's fucking free. Mastro Berardino. So obviously, you know, Kenneth suggested that we do something that was by a, a, a Tarassi producer, but wasn't eighty dollars, which we really appreciated. Thank you. So this is a way to have an Alianico from a producer that sort of put this region on the map. Who did? Um, and yeah. talk about like what a tenth generation moneyed family does with one of the greatest grapes of all time, and and what they can do when they when you have that money and power behind it. Um, this is I've been excited to talk about this because there's a lot to kind of chomp on. This is good. yeah, and I mean I feel like this idea feeds all the other wines that yes. we've had, like mm-hmm. in Centauri, like this guy coming back from World War II and being like. Oh my God, like post phylloxera, everything's dead. All these like grapes that my family used to grow and that are very ancient in this region are almost extinct. And 
the idea that he was just like, I'm going to build Alianico up and Fiano up to Greco too, you know, right? cultivate yeah. that. Yeah. And have it just blow up over time, of course, mm-hmm. like generations. But still, I think it's something that all these winemakers, when they're doing uh, really weird varietals that are nearly extinct, are in a way chasing. Yeah, they're hoping to like, do this, right? Yeah. Like they yeah, want to be. Yeah. I want to be the guy that made fetch happen. If fetch was a great, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like these guys happen. made Alianico happen. That's pretty cool. It's it, not easy. It, it's interesting because, yeah. I mean, obviously, the first question that comes to my mind is Alianico any better than the other grapes that we've that like? Is there a reason? Like again, um, uh, from my reading, people compare um, Aglianico to Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon, and that it like it dominates over terroir. That it's like it, it is, it's a real fucking grape. Whereas Nebbiolo yeah. and Pinot Noir are kind of like, you can't grow them everywhere, and sometimes they're terrible. Um, yeah. So Alianico is supposed to be a like top tier grape. But yeah, they say Alianico can't grow in the north. Like that's the thing they talk about a lot, which feels like a self fulfilling. But it can prophecy. fucking grow in Australia. Apparently, it can yeah. grow any anywhere that doesn't really have grow Nebbiolo. In Australia. Um, but I think, <laughs> but it's interesting. Like the two places that grow Alianico, famously, are both surrounded by volcanoes um, yeah they're both in the south of italy um well they're both at fairly high elevation as yeah. well i think you're getting that sun exposure and the heat but you're also getting Pulling the down at night dips. yeah so, like i mean there's a reason why oh, oh did i freeze You guys still there? This is definitely this is done in steel. It is a spontaneous fermentation, I believe. Um, yeah. I did not was not able to see if it was grown organically. I'm assuming. I don't think so, but I don't know actually. I mean, the who, who brings this bad boy in? This was oh, um, Tob. Is that the name of it? Jonas Day, um, a big Italian importer. Um, I, 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 my computer froze for like. 50 seconds so if i say something you already said i apologize because i missed it um but yeah these guys are have been here for fucking ever 10 generations is a long time to make wine yeah i mean they are i I think a lot of people say big claims in wine (laughs) but you know in in the 80s and part of the 90s they were 90 percent of the alianico produced and the only alianico being exported so like they literally were it for a really long time and now of course it's popular so everyone's moving in and of course you have like the terradora de paulos which Mm -hmm. was like you know the the family breaking off which is classic italian right oh yeah i love that odero conterno like the two sons like they get to that generation and they're like i want to do this i want to do this and then they're like fine like let's go our own separate ways and then two new houses are formed (laughs) it's class it's just you know it's like magneto and professor x yeah it's classic (laughs) (laughs) um do you guys want to guess how many acres they have 800. Um, yeah, I mean, I would guess close to that. I mean, like at yeah. least like 500. 785. 
Damn. Yeah, you were nice. pretty spot on. I, I must have remembered that from reading it. The, the, there's no way I just guessed. Yeah, you could. You price know. is right rules. Yeah, yeah so price is right rules. You, you won, yeah. You won, uh, oh, no, you honor- went over. You went over, yeah. I have the honorable victory. <laughs> I don't make any yeah, money, but like, everyone knows that I was actually pretty close. So, did we talk already that Alianico is considered Italy's third best grape? Yes, kind of. Did we talk about that Ian Degada thinks it's in the world's dozen or so best grapes? Yes, we did. Okay, so that was said while I was frozen. Cool. Um, this wine's, by the way, actually good. Like, just like, strip. I, I, I like this wine. It's not not doing anything like it's not making me crazy but it's delicious yeah you make a good point that for 14 dollars, it's hard to ask for much more than this yeah we have not I mean, our our theme has always been to not drink 14 dollar wine i think <laughs> i i don't know when the last time we had a wine in the teens on this podcast really yeah it's been years is this is good I, i'd sell the shit out of this yeah yeah it's great it's like gulpable but it still has all those like kind of softer sweet tannins there like it's great um their their flagship wine is the wine that eric asimov and uh, uh joe campanelli chose as their like favorite alianico that they did a year or two ago like it's it, this is one of those interesting things where like when you read about this producer and you go on their website and their website is flashy and mm-hmm. like it's very self-aggrandizing and you know they have this you know self-mythologizing kind of story about how they made alianico happen which i mean they did, they did i get yeah. it it's very similar to that lambrusco producer that we we talked about i was thinking about that yeah um you know part of me wants to think like okay well they at this point they probably just make a bunch of garbage but like they are still considered the best producer of this grape in the best region for this grape yeah and that, i mean i have to say a bunch of like, smoking mirrors like they um they have definitely gone more big you know big but I, I don't think they talk everyone talks about the 1968 vintage of this being like the reason that brought everything to the map and wh- yeah. why everyone from the other Italian regions were looking at them. I don't think that the wine is made similarly to that nowadays. No. It's definitely no, kind of not. that big, their, their yields are higher and mm-hmm. like, you know, they're, they're making money. They're yes. doing things. But... Also, do we want to ask <laughs> when he talks about like, he came back from world war two, like what was he doing? Yeah, what, what side Where was, was he, he? On? Right Yeah, there. what was happening yeah, there? Like I, I, I do wonder that. Like, yeah. you came back and you were like, yeah, I feel like perfectly oh, no. ready emotionally to grow grapes now. Comes back and is like, uh-huh. what happened? I was on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> it's like he returned from what? Ethiopia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, they, they just gloss over that one point. I don't know where he was. I'm not making any assumptions. Um, I mean, I, yeah. I'm assuming that it's not a great story, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah, you, know, you, you should never assume that winemakers weren't fascist. It's actually like it's one of my rules. It's just weren't like, or aren't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like, <laughs> you assume the worst, and then you, you're pleasantly surprised when they're like, "Oh, I believe in a living wage." Like, oh, cool. <laughs> thank you, Pierre. <laughs> Um, what a world! But yeah, this is uh, it's interesting because their website, uh, 
mentions that this is an attempt, this specific wine is an attempt to um, recreate the uh, wines of Vesuvius, um, uh, the, the vineyards that were destroyed by Mount Vesuvius, using the same ancient grape varieties, viticulture, and winemaking techniques of that period, which is absolute fucking bullshit. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, no, that's just not right. I mean, I know that they're making, they made um, a Villa, uh, Villa de uh, Misteri, mm-hmm. um, which they have been tasked, they were tasked to do to kind of like make wine on like Vesuvius mm-hmm. and from the same, and that's mostly Alianico, which makes sense. Obviously, ancient varietal, actually from the region, um, we think at least. Um, but that wine is outrageously priced, oh. and <laughs> it, we, we would never be doing that on the, this class. But the, the Romans were not using stainless steel or pitch oh, yeasts. Absolutely not. And the Romans were also mixing with seawater and like fucking herbs and stuff i mean like, like that's cool like, like falernum yeah uh, is it is it cool it's it's cool it's interesting <laughs> it's been... called mixology kenneth okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all sea have water? stupid mustaches <laughs> I, I have a seawater reduction that i missed over the wine <laughs> <laughs> they like they, they like look sea at a lemon and, and then look at your glass yeah. juice. <laughs> and that's five dollars I sprinkled um, the ash of my family that died in the volcano uh, explosion <laughs> over. Have you guys been to Pompeii? Rim. No. I would love no. to go. I had a weird obsession with Pompeii as a kid. Like, I had a book about Pompeii, and I, like, read it front to back, like, over and over again about how everyone was, like, frozen in, like, what they were doing when it happened. You've seen the jacking man, right? The jacking man is very cool. Yeah. There's a guy who's, ca- who's caught um, mid mid-stroke. Um, nice. Yeah, he was erupting his own volcano, uh, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but, like, uh, I, I, I went there a, a couple years ago, and it, it's fucking haunting. Like, yeah. it, it, it is absolutely fucking bizarre. This this city that just got frozen in um, in hell. I also yeah, like. I, I bet think... the wines taste amazing. Yeah, that's what you want. You want all the, <laughs> again. We want the souls. You we know, want the it's misery. The despair is the despair <laughs> in that bottle as well. Mm-hmm. I did think that um, Pompeii happened longer ago than it did. It happened pretty recently. Yeah, it was like 70 AD or something. Like like people recently. were like writing books. Like it, it, People were like referencing, like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> like the gods <laughs> ate a city. Why did they do this? <laughs> <laughs> you know why. I mean, like, I, 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 think, why. <laughs> I think Pompeii is where General was Pompeii Jackie was guy. from. Yeah, which is uh, the guy who um, Julius Caesar fucking murked. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. like, like th- this is like a city that produced people that that exist in history. It's very crazy. Yeah, um, makes you think about um, the end of World War Two in the uh, where we dropped bombs on places and did the same fucking thing. It's what a crazy thing shit. to do! Like, we're destroying a city. What a horrible thing. Couldn't yeah. be me. Would never. Kenneth, is this what you thought you'd talk about when we talked about Campania? Sorry, um, I, I definitely, definitely thought that uh, it would probably get a little bit more serious than this. I'm disappointed, but <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to go here. Like, is it? <laughs> I mean, you started off with the robe, like grabbing the robe, and it was all just like bruised. <laughs> it's a great robe, isn't it? It's a, it is a really good robe. No, but this it looks like airy quant- and light at the same time, <laughs> mm, comforting no, no. and strong. Oh. 
I swear to God, I thought you said Aryan light. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but you said airy and light. Yes, it is airy and light. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, like, like normal Aryan, but like light, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, like, like Danish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. No, but in, <laughs> I'm always tasked with bringing us back. In all seriousness, what what are we not? What are we missing about Campania? What do we? What should we be thinking about? Um, and what else did you want to kind of touch on when thinking about approaching this region? Well, I think uh, we touched on the main parts, which is that there's tons of uh, really ancient varieties, and we should be not scared of not knowing them um maybe just ask your your wine professional about the specific bottle and just buy it don't be focused on doc and docg Mm -hmm. and all that nonsense um but i mean there's tons of other regions that are like you know we didn't talk about greco which is great also awesome i mean i tend to air more in the fiano style um, because it's got a little bit more of a, um, like a linear, like profile of yep. Greco tends to be a little bit more fruitier, but they're both really good and they're both made, you know, similarly. Um, but yeah, no, I think we touched everything. There's not much else. This is such a, uh, I mean, and we mentioned this at the beginning, but it's such a weird region in that like wine nerds should like it more because it's a region that only nerds seem to think about. <laughs> but like, for some reason, it, it, it just, I just don't see a lot of this. Like it's, there's, no, there's no Pascaline for, uh, for Southern Italy, it seems. Mm. Like there's, <laughs> we're missing like someone who like, and maybe I'm completely stupid about this, but like, I just don't see this. I, I don't see Campania popping up in a lot of places. I will say at Italy, and again, it's Italy, so they only have Italy to deal with as a sphere. More like drinkily, am I right? <laughs> when I went, they were there was a Greco de Tufo special. <laughs> it was like if you bought six, you got 10% off or something. It sounds like they had too much Greco <laughs> de Tufo, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, so, that could, yeah, that could go either way, but... Yeah, but other than that specific thing at Italy, yeah, like people don't do, people don't talk about Alianico as much as you would think they would as being like the other great Nebbiolo like grape. And people fucking flip their shit about Nebbiolo. Well, they're like the yeah. fall. Like, like, there we go. Campani's like the fall. Like, where everyone swears to fucking God the fall's really good, but no one ever wants to fucking listen to a fall album. Yeah. I listen to the fall all the time, but okay. I, I understand what you're talking about. Yes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, people don't want to listen to the fall. They want to listen to the cure. But, yeah, there, there's like collectors talk about it, nerds talk about it, but it, it's still not – there's something that's getting in the way, and I don't think it's the wine, to be honest. Yeah, the wines are not. fucking phenomenal. But Maybe then do you ever feel like you, um, you want it to stay that way mm-hmm. <laughs> so that – it's never going to be the price of, I mean, even Burdino, mm-hmm. right? Besides this, like, Philly Mystery, which is, like, very small production, next level prices, his Tarasis and his Reservers 
really aren't that expensive. They're not that expensive. They're like 80 like, or 90 bucks, right? Like Yeah, like retail, they're not like insane. They're not $300. They're not no. $400. Their, their history like, goes back farther than a lot of the like, you know, Conternos or, you know, whatever. And they are way cheaper. So I feel like if, if it caught on, then you know, we'd be paying a lot more for that, for sure. Well, th- that's, that is the, always the threat, isn't it? That like one okay. you like will catch on. Delete the episode. We can't allow this yeah. to get out. Honestly, next week we'll do Prosecco. Have this is the CIA. Done- Stay where you are. Have you, <laughs> have you ever done this? Like, have you ever, like, advocated for a wine region and advocated yourself out of being able to afford it? Um, not yet. I feel like, well, kind of, actually. I mean, um, when you think about it, like, the people 20 years older than us did that with Jura and with Beaujolais in a way. Yeah. Like, I mean, w- when I started in wine, those are both affordable. And now, like, I, I cannot really afford to drink either, to be completely honest. Um, Maybe you can go to our patreon.com regular slash disgorgeous if you want to fix that. But, um, <laughs> like, maybe I do feel like Etna is that for us in a way. Oh, yeah. Etna's our generation. Yeah. We're going to not afford some of our best Etna. I mean, I barely can afford it now. Right. Right. No. Yeah, it's insane. But ten years ago, I could have bought a bottle of Etna, and people have been like, "What?" I mean, you're currently yeah. involved in doing this in West Sonoma. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because those wines are so I'm, affordable already. <laughs> I'm, no, but I'm really surprised at how, like, we're as far as history, Sonoma's is a little bit mm-hmm. deeper than Napa's is, but Napa eclipses Sonoma's prices like. You know, yeah. by a long shot in terms yeah. of like price per grape. Um, so even there, you know, do you want and and, and think about the rest of California? Yeah, everyone's mm-hmm. like fixated on Sonoma and Napa, but um, Mendocino, I think, is doing really cool stuff because they're not all mm-hmm. you know Pinot and Chard, and and it's like a bunch of cool things happening. But do you want to tell your friends or do you want to just keep it for yourself? Yeah, I, I swear to fucking God, and this is like the most 2020 thing I can think of. We're gonna somehow price ourselves out of drinking Piquet this this year. <laughs> like, we're just gonna hit this point where it's like, actually, we have to drink third tier, like like Triquet. Like it's like <laughs> you take the Piquet, you, like a French guy drinks it, and then you you bottle that pee. And it's like one percent alcohol. Awesome. Like, yeah, it's like so. Um, this is what the. Uh, people who worked on the vineyards who actually the people who worked for those people yeah they would actually make this their wine. assistance yeah yeah they're yeah the, the winemaker's assistance assistant it's like a switch uh, you just pour some apple cider vinegar into the wine barrel <laughs> shake it around a little bit and like it comes out of the barrel and you drink that I'm you know sure. what i'm working on a piquet but i like i think i've been thinking about this the whole, of course you are the working whole way <laughs> like, <laughs> the whole way i need to be rehydrating the rehydration yes yeah you want to you you can take that phrase tree cat that's yours man don't even worry about that that's <laughs> such a powerful yeah. phrase. <laughs> matt says hello as well hey, what's up hello. Matt? Yeah, king we love your wines your wine rules <laughs> I'll take half a case. Actually, I need some. I, 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 Kevin offered to sell me some, and I, I didn't take him up on it in the beginning of the pandemic, and now I'm mad. Yeah. Now it's too late. So I know. You're screwed. Mm-hmm. Unless, well, unless you run into me, maybe I'll, maybe I'll uh, 
be I able hope to I don't get coronavirus and die as a way of proving that I deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> that, how dramatic Honestly, would that be if I got point, corona? At, like, oh no. <laughs> at this point, anything less than that, it's like, oh yeah, remember when he threatened to get coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, he just had HPV real bad. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Okay. I think we should wrap this up. Kenneth, have you even had dinner yet? Um, Not yet, but, you know, what time is it? What's on the menu? It's almost midnight in, I almost said it's almost midnight in America. New York is America. (laughs) (laughs) Hypothetically. It's almost midnight in New York, so it's got to be late there. Um, yeah, it's eight thirty, so it's it's not that it's late. But. Right. Order oh, a couple of Zaz. Mediterranean style dining in California. <laughs> we'll have dinner Ooh. at eleven p.m. No big deal. You sit on a carpet. Oh yeah, I always sit on carpets with no socks. No socks. Mm-hmm. No one has yeah, socks in yeah, California. Yeah. Like honestly, um, and I eat very consciously grown farm-to-table veggies, um, which actually is just apples around here. So that's beautiful, man. That's a perfect food. I call apples like nature's avocado. <laughs> why aren't avocados nature's avocados? You know oh, they why. know. They know why. <laughs> Alligator pear. I'm confused. <laughs> Kenneth, thank you for joining us on this episode. Thank you guys. So Is there anything much. you want to plug before we go? Um, no. Right. I don't have a job. Yeah, right. <laughs> if anyone wants to give this guy a job, yeah, hire this guy. Yeah. Matt Taylor Wines. That's what I want to plug. Yeah, those if wines rule. I want to. I also yeah. want to plug Matt Taylor Wines, and specifically, I would like to now advertise Matt Taylor Wines. Yeah, they're really good. <laughs> Please send me half a case at my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll take a mixed I didn't case. say this I'm... before, but once you say Matt Taylor Wines twice in a row, you get a half case. Just oh, like... it's like a Beetlejuice thing. Honestly, they're the <laughs> best wines made in America, and if I don't get them, I'll make nine eleven look like nine ten. <laughs> That's right. I thought the fire tornadoes was the worst thing I had oh to do. Oh my god! With. Oh no! I can't talk <laughs> oh, about no. that anymore. Um, uh, thank you for being on our podcast. Um, when the pandemic's over, if you want to get drunk IRL, um, let, let us know. I am always into that for sure. I'd love making I'm around. decisions. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm known for my good decisions. Ask around. Clearly. <laughs> All right. Thank well, you guys so much. You have a good thank one. You. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Discourageous.